November 8, 2017, Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. This is episode three of our, what, six-episode week, right? Monday through Saturday. Uh, yesterday, we released our interview with award-winning journalist and author of Tribe, Sebastian Younger. Really appreciate all of the uh, all the kind feedback that we've got on that. People seem to have enjoyed that conversation. Uh, today we have another uh, th- we have another guest uh, in the theme of storytelling. Uh, Phil Cly is a Marine Corps veteran who uh, participated in a 2014 storytellers put on by Got Your Six, and uh, Phil and I are going to talk. Uh, a little more about storytelling, but he's he's coming from the point of view of someone who's participated in these storytelling events. Some, he is an author. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He is the author of the book Redeployment. Before we get to our interview with Phil, uh, just want to remind you of the Storytellers X events that uh, that we are doing in c- partnership with Got Your Six. Uh, these are um, these are. Small events that'll be uh, going on at local community veteran engagement boards, uh, and uh, they will uh, feature veterans sharing their stories of post-military life. Uh, During the Storytellers X events, audiences will listen to veterans share how military service prepared them for civilian life and personal and professional success. Uh, Right now, uh, looking at the list that I see in our blog, uh, Connecticut Maine, a uh, couple Colorado locations, a couple Illinois locations, uh, New York, Ohio, Arizona. Uh, there's a handful. So if you go to blogs.va.gov and, and search storytellers, uh, you will see the blog there. It's called VA and Got Your Six Announced Storytellers X Events Across the Nation. Information is there. Uh, along along with the list of events and the dates that they're going. Uh, they started just a few days ago, and the latest one right now is December 8th, so uh, going on over the next few weeks. So be sure to check those out. Got Your Six aired their first Storytellers event of the year, one of two. Uh, this one was in Los Angeles. They aired it on their Facebook Live channel. So if you go to uh, Got Your Six's Facebook page, you'll see... Uh, the live video there. Jared Lyon, who is the president of Student Veterans of America, who is an alum of this podcast, he uh, he gave a talk there along with a few other veterans. Uh, really good stories. I highly recommend you check them out. Tonight, Wednesday night, Got Your Six will be doing their Washington, D.C. Storytellers event, and I do believe Secretary Shulkin uh, will be speaking at that event. So uh, again, they'll be uh, Got Your Six will be live streaming that from their Facebook page. If that's not your thing, uh, don't worry. Soon these videos will be up available on Got Your Six's YouTube, uh, I believe. And when they are, we will definitely uh, definitely share them with our audience. Uh, Phil Cly, uh, back to our featured guest. He's a Marine Corps veteran. He was a public affairs officer in the Marines. Uh, he uh, deployed, deployed to Iraq, came back. Uh, he continued writing. Um, he wrote a collection of short stories. Uh, which uh, became a New York Times bestseller. Uh, he wrote Redeployment, um, which ha- which was uh, has received the Marine Corps Heritage Foundation's James Webb Award uh, for fiction dealing with U.S. Marines or U.S. Marine Corps life. Uh, and he's got a number of other accolades. He's published in the, in the Times, the Post, the Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, Brookings Institutes uh, has published some essays of his. Um, 
So he's well-renowned, and he's going to talk to us about storytelling. He's going to talk to us about writing. He's going to, we're going to talk about um, uh, veteran authors and which books that he recommends. Um, and then, of course, elements of his service, his transition, uh, the, the usual topic. So uh, Phil Cly, Marine Corps veteran, enjoy. Getting out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to people that don't understand. I still had the anger, I still had the addictions, but we didn't talk about that. Came to a point where it's like, okay, I really need to talk to somebody about this. Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go, go to the VA. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people, because it takes true strength to ask for help. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Recording Philip Klein, Marine Corps veteran, uh, a former storytellers alum from the Got Your Six Storytellers events, author of Redeployment. Sir, thank you so much for joining us here on Born the Battle. Thank you for having me. So the one question that we start with, Philip, to, to sort of set off the, the, the interview uh, is getting down to the one thing that we all have in common as veterans, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Bring us back to that decision for you. Sure. I was in college. Um, you know, in high school, I'd always been interested in foreign policy, and I had wanted to <clears throat> do some kind of public service. Uh, there's a you know strong history of respect for public service in my family. Um, my my dad was in the Peace Corps. My mom worked in international medical aid for years, um, and uh, my maternal grandfather had been. Uh, in the Foreign Service. And so if you'd asked me in high school, I probably would have thought that I was going to join the Foreign Service uh, like my grandfather. Um, but when I was in college, uh, we uh, – so I, I started college September 2001. Um, and so we uh, invaded Afghanistan. And then, uh, you know, we were quickly on a path to war in Iraq and it seemed that if I wanted to serve my country, the, the, the most logical way to do it would be to join the military uh, in some fashion. And my, one of my older brothers, I'm, I'm one of five boys, um, one of my older brothers had uh, joined the Marine Corps already. And so, you know, I figured if I was going to join the military, why not join the best service? Mm, rah. Um, yeah. yeah, I like that. Um, and by the way, uh, let me give you a, uh, an early Happy birthday, sir! Since I will not speak, uh, won't, won't talk <laughs> to you uh, next Friday. Uh, happy birthday, Marine! Thank you. Um, so tell um, you know the name of the show is Born the Battle. Um, tell us about a give us a story or some sort of um, you know how you resonate with that idea, whether whether it be literal combat or a a separate challenge that you faced while you were in the service. <laughs> Uh, I would never classify myself as somebody who was born to battle. I was a public affairs officer, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I was never in combat. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's not how I would, I, would, I would think of myself. What, what you know, what I what I can say is that I spent you know a year in in Iraq, uh, two thousand seven to uh, two thousand eight, um, and. You know, certainly the the time that I spent over there uh, affected me deeply. Uh, the people that I met over there affected me deeply, and that's that's why I that's why I wrote a book about Iraq. That's why I continue to write about military policy because um, 
you know, it, it's it's not just something that I think is deeply important to our country and that we, you know, frequently don't discuss with any kind of the sort of depth or subtlety that it requires, but also, um, you know, because it just sort of is personally very important to me, you know, as a result of, of people that I knew and, and served with and, and things that I saw. Yeah, and, and if uh, you know, so, you're you're one of the first interviews we're doing underneath the new title, "Born the Battle." And in one of the, you know, the the, the first concern <laughs> that we had was, and, well, and so you're like, let's let's talk to a pogue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there's nothing better than a pogue talking to a pogue about about yeah. uh, bearing the battle, right? But the reason, the you know, our first concern with the title was, you know, not everybody's going to feel like they, you know, not everybody went to combat, and everybody's going to feel like they. Um, that the experience. No, I don't know. I, I think to be clear, I don't have any particular. I don't have any like shame about that. Sure, uh, yeah, but, absolutely but I, proud of my service. Sure, uh, but I just I, you know, uh, it's it's it is a funny thing when you know when you tell people you were a marine, you served in Iraq. They generally you know imagine you kicking down doors or something yeah. like that, and I just you know I didn't do that. So I'm, I, I'm always very careful to try and represent you know what I did honestly. Sure, uh, I would never want to sort of. To try and uh, claim some kind of uh, glory that is is unearned. Yeah, and I and it, tr- trust me, I get it. I tell people that I, I served overseas for three years. Like, oh wow, you were there for three years. Well, no, I I mm-hmm. was serving at embassies, living in nice houses, and <laughs> I had my own cook. Like it, it wasn't that. Uh, um, it wasn't as bad as it sounds. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think that one thing that we do recognize, even as pogues, right, in the veteran space is that there is a element of sacrifice. There is an element of bearing some sort of challenge or, um, yeah, or you know, or difficulty. And I think, you know, you know, battle obviously is, you know, we use that term because it's in the VA motto from Lincoln's uh, second inaugural address. But, um, you know, like you said, you went over there, you were affected heavily by the people that you interacted with. And that was sort of your bearing coming back and, and doing with that so that's you know that's where the root i think of of that uh, of born the battle yeah. really, to, for me really really goes for you know and for me it's about service you know i don't uh i don't distinguish that greatly um you know what i did from uh from you know a lot of non-military folks uh you know who served in 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 roles overseas yeah. um uh so yeah no, I agree. I, you know, I worked in embassies for, for three years and, um, you know, all of the government employees there, no matter which three letter, uh, agency they were a yeah. part of were, you know, probably doing more to, you know, that, that, that probably doing more that contributed to the success and safety of the United States than I was. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and it's, it's, it's good to, uh, to acknowledge that. So what, what prompted your transition then? Why did you decide to, to leave the military? Well, I'd never intended to, to, to serve more than uh, four years. I, yeah, I felt uh, conflicted about it when I got out. I sort of was perfectly aware that I could have stayed in. I probably would have ended up going to Afghanistan. Um, and for a while, I actually felt quite guilty about it, um, you know, especially because, you know, Marines that I'd served with went over. Some of them were uh, injured overseas. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you sort of feel like uh, there's, you know, other people – uh, who you knew, uh, who've done so much. Uh, and I kind of, you know, <laughs> went out and lived a, a pretty great life in, in New York. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed my time in the military, but there were just many other things that I wanted to do. And certainly, um, you know, the, the way that I, 
uh, I talk about the military and, uh, you know, what we're doing overseas. Um, it's not something that I probably could have done in, in the same way had I stayed in. Yeah. Sure. You, you know, you said you experienced some sort of guilt. We know a lot of, um, you know, a lot of veterans uh, struggle a little bit when they come out of the military, and you can touch on this on however you're comfortable. But did you experience any sort of emotional crisis or challenge after your time in the military? Uh, I, I don't know if it would be an emotional crisis, but certainly, especially, you know, kind of when when the first person that I knew died overseas. Um, uh, it, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, affected me deeply after I got out and it was sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm there <laughs> yeah. and so utterly removed from it. And I think, uh, one of the things that makes it more challenging is that, um, you know, there's so many parts of the country that are just utterly disconnected from the fact that we're at war. Right. Um, and so it's very easy to forget, uh, <laughs> that we're a country at war. You know, there's this sort of, you know, a uh, thing that I've heard Marines say, you know, we were, you know, we were at war while America was at the mall, right? Except, you know, you meet that veteran like, uh, you know, a few years later and you're like, hey, what are you up to? It's like, oh, you know, going to the mall. Like, yeah, <laughs> like your daily life continues. And then uh, and then, you know, you meet somebody still and it's like, oh, you're on your, you know, seventh deployment. Jeez. Yeah. Um you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of veterans. You know, when they get out, uh, you know, it takes it takes a little while to, to find that renewed purpose, right? Because that's sort of um, it's pumped into us quickly while we're in. Um, mm-hmm. did, did it take yeah, you long? And camaraderie. To, yeah, exactly. Did it take you long to find that again in, as a civilian? Well, I I think that the purpose that I have is in writing, right? And um, and so I, I you know I find that deeply satisfying. Um, uh, certainly. Uh, there's a uh, there's a uh, a lot of sort of a, a time of kind of feeling disconnected and um, and also you know it's not just about purpose but about the camaraderie right yeah um, because there's a whole community of people around you who are tied to that per that 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 sense of purpose and who you know, kind of give you a feeling of meaning uh, I mean you know even if you're like the marine who's like screw the core. Like that's a guy. Like that's a whole identity uh, is being the screw the core guy. You yeah. know, like in and that's in screw the, the, the screw world, the core guy is the loudest person on November 10th. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know the um, uh, you know you get out of the military and you be screw the core. Be like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> like nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> I was never a screw the core guy, but. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, there's, there's that, that, that whole community around you. Um, uh, and I think as much as it is about finding new purpose, it's, it's, it's about finding, you know, that, that kind of tribe where you fit in. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you, uh, use the word tribe. Uh, the interview that precedes yours, uh, that as people are listening would have been released yesterday was with Sebastian Younger. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, that that word definitely, I think, resonates now in, inside our community because um, um, I think we all identify with. I think I I never thought of the word tribe while I was in, but as soon as I heard it used and why, it made it made perfect sense. Um, yeah. So t- I mean, so 
were you writing before? Um, yeah. So you you, you were because you're you know PEO, so you're writing you know for work, and then I'm sure you were doing right. your own writing. Um, well, no, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that's why they gave me PAO as an MOS. Like it was you know I, <laughs> I was I was the weirdo who was like to 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 deal with the boredom on field exercises in the basic school was you know memorizing poetry right so uh i wasn't particularly surprised to get that that mos sure so that so um what year did you get out uh 2009 okay and then uh redeployment came out in 2014 2014 yeah yeah um how how long did you spend on writing that book about four years okay um and then you did a storytelling event. Uh, you did storytellers in t- 2014 with uh, with Got Your Six. Um, you know this this podcast yesterday sort of in promotion of that. Um, Got Your Six and VA are are partnering to bring storytellers X nationwide, sort of the TEDx version of storytellers. Um, and we know that there's a lot of power in storytelling, right? That's one of the reasons why TEDx is uh, is is popular is another is a big reason why people love listening to podcasts right because there's a lot of storytelling involved in that while we still read fiction um so from from both being an author and your experience um doing the storytellers event um you know let's start talking about the power of storytelling um both as a as the person telling the story and as the audience member and we'll, we'll start with your experience as a storyteller well, I mean, I write because it's 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 always been the best way that I know how to make sense of the world, right? Um, and you, I, I feel like you don't, or at least I don't fully understand an experience that that, that troubles me or disturbs me uh, until I've until I've put it in a story and tried to grapple with it um, uh, in writing, right? Because there's there's a kind of rigor uh, to doing that work where you can't, um, or you know, if you're doing it right, where you can't. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, skate by with the same kind of you know BS that you like to tell yourself. Um, it exposes you to to the aspects of an experience that are difficult to look at, or 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 just strange or or uh, unexpected. Um, and so, you know, whenever I sit down to write something, I usually have an idea about what this is about and what it's going to say, and the process of trying to make that work good and, and worthwhile inevitably means that kind of whatever I imagined was, was going to happen or what it was going to be, that that changes. Um, and I learned something different. Do you um, – I, 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 le- I like that you talked about like you know processing something through, uh, through writing because there's often times where I'll be venting about something to my wife and then at the end I'll be like, never mind, I understand now. <laughs> Because right. I've, exactly. I've been able yeah. to express myself so much that I've that I've been able to process it, um, and, you know, and it's not so different from that, you know, yeah. from just sort of talking to a friend. There's a um, uh, German philosopher Peter Schlotterdijk um, has an essay where he quotes the Romantic poet uh, Jean Paul: uh, "Books are thick letters to friends, right?" Um, and that's that's kind of how I think about how. Uh, you know, what I'm doing when I'm writing and what hopefully a reader is doing when they're reading. You know, it's not it's not that I'm creating some, you know, aesthetic object for somebody to just sort of sit back and enjoy. It's I, I'm I'm putting something out there that I want people to respond to, that I want them to use uh, to to, you know, engage with the same kind of questions that, that, that concern me. Yeah, what um, 
Uh, this is kind of a, um, uh, a revised question that I normally ask, but um, what are some veteran authored books um, maybe that come out of the current, uh, the recent conflicts uh, that you have appreciated? Uh, I think Mac Gallagher's Youngblood is fantastic. Um, it's a really interesting novel about basically about a, a kind of young lieutenant trying to do counterinsurgency, um, uh, dealing with a kind of complicated uh, town and a sergeant or a platoon sergeant who is, um, let's say, not as uh, not as interested in coin um, and uh, has a tendency towards the amoral, but is also sort of extremely competent in his job. Uh, and it's just a really uh, fast-paced, you know, interesting and morally complicated book that, that I think uh, showcases the challenges of counterinsurgency really well. Uh, Brian Van Reed's Spoils is just a really beautifully written, brilliant book um, that uh, doesn't just tell the story from the perspective service members, but there's also a, kind of, a jihadi who comes to Iraq and uh, finds himself uh, disturbed by the increasing radicalization of the jihadi community. Um, uh, and it's just a really um, smart and interesting take on that, uh, that subject and, and really well done. Um, I mean, I could, I could list a, a million books. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a memoir uh, called Shaded Black by Jessica Goodell, uh, about being a, a mortuary affairs specialist. Um, and, you know, the other thing is there, there, there are stories by um, non-veterans that are superb, too. Um, you know, I think of Atticus Lish's Preparation for the Next Life or Ben Fountain's, um, uh, uh, oh, my God, uh, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk um, that are just superb. Oh, uh, there's, there's one book that was co-written by a veteran and a, a non-vet, uh, Gavin Kovite and, and Christopher Robinson, called The War of the Encyclopedis, which is um, a <laughs> kind of millennials go to war. Uh, very, very smart, uh, very funny, very strange look, not just at, at, at um, uh, the war, but also American society back home. Um and, and to, to go back to our discussion about, you know, how I don't necessarily consider my service so different from a lot of non-military personnel spend time over there. Kale Weston's The Mirror Test uh, is just a superb memoir. Kale spent years uh, overseas as a foreign service officer, uh, spent a lot of time with Marines, and that is a excellent, uh, excellent book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I unfortunately don't get, or I, sh- I, just, I don't know why I say I don't get to read because I get plenty of opportunities to read. I unfortunately just don't read as much as I, uh, as I should, but, uh, two books that, that I've enjoyed, uh, Love My Rifle More Than You by Kayla Williams. Oh, Kayla's book is great. Yeah. She yeah. has a, a, a memoir, plenty of time when we get home too. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Terminal Lance's The White Donkey, uh, the graphic yeah. novel that, that oh, came out yeah, recently. Oh, yeah. I would also, by the way, you know, recommend there's a there's an, an anthology called um, The Road Back that has a lot of really great stories in it. They're all short stories, but also sort of a lot of things that are different from, uh, you know, from different perspectives and, and, than a lot of, you know, what has been published. And I, I would strongly recommend that one. It's it's a it's got some really good, uh, really good work in there. Cool. 
Yeah, I, I hopefully, uh, hopefully the audience uh, are, are writing these down. There'll, there'll be the links actually to these books in the show notes if anybody's interested in checking them out. Um, so, <laughs> well, I, what, what are the problem? You, you know, the problem is you asked me for for recommendations on that front. I could just the whole show could just be, <laughs> be yeah. rattling off titles. Yeah, we'll we'll bring There's Phil back for part two there, you know? for, with nothing but recommendations. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm interested in it. I know that a lot of veterans do find uh, writing therapeutic, whether they publish the writing or not. Um, and so l- I want to talk a little bit about your writing routine, because I'm sure there's some, some veterans out there that are still struggling to find mm-hmm. uh, their muse. Let's first start with like your input versus output, right? Like how much are you taking in um, from either news or other stories, other books, uh, versus how much you're outputting with your own content? Well, to give you an idea, the book that I'm working on now, I did about two years of research uh, before I even really started reading it, uh, writing it. Um, so that's a lot of books, a lot of uh, 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 news articles and scholarly essays and, and a lot of just like interviewing people, um, you know, talking to special forces guys in Afghanistan. I went down to Colombia and interviewed everybody from former Colombian minister of the interior to, you know, Colombian military. And, um, uh, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of research and I'm constantly reading while I'm, while I'm writing, um, you know, uh, I want to know as much about the world that I'm writing about, and also, uh, I read a lot of a lot of work that I feel like is going to inform what I'm working on in some way, even if it's not necessarily about uh, Iraq or Afghanistan or the U.S. involvement in Colombia, which is what I'm writing about right now. Um, so, uh, you know, that's 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 my method. Uh, yeah, but different people do different things. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I think uh, you know you've got like Elliot Ackerman. Uh, who has written some fantastic stuff. And his uh, latest book, Dark at the Crossing, is actually a finalist for the National Book Award right now. Elliot is a Marine Corps veteran. I think he did five deployments, uh, Silver Star recipient, and also just a hell of a good writer. You know, his kind of method is he puts himself in <laughs> uh, in places where, you know, where, where whatever it is that he's interested in is, is going on. So he spent a lot of time on the Syrian border and, and doing journalism from, from the Middle East. And he was living in, in Turkey for a while and that, uh, and you know, the current book that, um, is, uh, is a finalist for the national book award is, is kind of came out of that experience. Uh, me, I, I just kind of obsessively research, <laughs> uh, uh, probably more than is healthy. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you are in your, um, so I don't, are you familiar with James Altucher? I, I imagine no. um, he, um, he wrote a handful of books sort of in like the self-help realm. Uh, I, I always hate, I always hate using the word self-help, but it's the best way to, um, to cap like business maybe is, is a better way. Um, but he, he talked about, or he referenced, uh, Stephen King who would, who would say that like, you know, after if he didn't write for a couple of days like his writing would almost begin to atrophy in mm-hmm. a way in a way that like if you didn't like walk for a few days right your legs would have to like re like learn again how how to walk um like yeah so, i try and write 500 words every day okay so okay so, you, so you've benchmarked 500 words um is, is it 500 like you just like no, mind it can dump- be utter trash and it usually is <laughs> um but uh yeah yeah, you know, I want to put down 500 words a day, um, you know, just to make sure that that's that that you know that has happened, and then 
you know, if you if you keep up with that, eventually you're going to have a lot of words, and some of them will be, you know, worth going back to. Um, I, I heavily, heavily revise as well. So, you know, for me, it's not so much about whether they're good or bad, but whether I'm kind of uh, figuring out what it is that I'm talking about. Uh, you know, the first time that you sit down to write something, you know, you don't know you don't know what you're writing about. You don't know what the story is and you don't know how to, how to tell that story. So you're teaching yourself to write it. Um, so of course it's not going to be good because you're, you're, you're a novice at writing that particular story that you are working on. And then, um, you know, you, you go over and over again until you become an expert at telling that particular story that you're working on. Yeah. Let's, um, so let's, uh, to to start closing this out, let's swing back around to um to verbal storytelling, um mm-hmm. similar to to you know storytellers um events. Um, tell us, you know, so how did you how do you prepare um that type of uh storytelling when you know you have a concise amount of time you want to you know you want to get the story told efficiently and effectively? Um, like how do you prepare for that and how do you um how do you prepare to deliver that message? I mean, um, it's, it's, you know, it's no different than any other thing. You just, you, you know, you, you, uh, I think the, uh, how many times did you, did you rehearse your storytellers, um, delivery before you gave it? Oh, plenty. Yeah. Uh, and, and what makes it more complicated is I was revising it like up to the, <laughs> up to the end. So I was, um, you know, trying to make sure that I had had the the, the the words right, you know, right beforehand because uh, I had changed it that day. Um, uh, that's one of the one of the problems of being obsessive in the particular way that I'm obsessive. But um, it's uh, I, it, it's it's actually really quite thrilling um, to to tell a story in in. In public like that, and also when you've got a condensed amount of time, I think that um, it can actually sometimes be useful. Uh, and so what, you know, what I always try and begin with is, you know, what is, you know, what's this like, what's the core story that I'm trying to tell, the thing that that, that troubles or confuses me, right? It's not so much about the, the message first, but, but you know, there's a story that I want to tell. There's, there's something that happened to me that matters, right? And I don't know why exactly it matters yet because I haven't, taken the time to fully write it down. Um, but what is that core thing that, that, um, that is an experience that I'm grappling with that, you know, by, by telling the story, I can get the audience to grapple with it too. Uh, and that's, that's the starting place. And then it's just a matter of, you know, putting that out there, uh, thinking about it and thinking about what kind of gloss on it or what kind of, uh, discussion of, of the event you want to have. Uh, where you're going to lead the the audience to to make some sense out of out of what happened to you? Yeah. Um, what are uh, obviously? I mean, you were a PAO, um, but you know, you, I don't know if you have a different example. But what's this skill set or, or uh, talent that you that you learned or or, or um, honed while you're in the military that's contributing to your success today? I mean, I used to teach journalism to my Marines, so uh, you know, it's a pretty direct. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, line from from there to what I'm doing now, and and you know the the mission, the public affairs is to tell the Marine story. So 
uh, in a way, I'm, I'm still doing that, I guess, uh, though uh, somewhat more um, unfiltered uh, than I would be if I were still in the, in the Marine Corps. Um, but more than that is, is, I think, just the experience of living with uh, Marines overseas, uh, being exposed to uh, all these different guys. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that is kind of amazing about public affairs is you know, during my ter- time overseas, I did everything from, you know, go out on patrol with, with infantry guys to hang out with more tour affairs specialists to um, – uh, you know, talk to logisticians and, and medical personnel, right? Uh, um, so you get this much broader look at war and all the complicated pieces that make it up. And it gives you a, a, a healthy respect for the everything that, that um, is beyond the typical image of War making that the American public has, and I think that is tremendously useful as a as a storyteller, as a citizen. Frankly, trying to think your way through these kind of thorny issues that uh, that we're um, engaged with now and will be for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, another question where I know we could talk for days about this, um, but um, um, what? Give, give me a veteran or a veteran organization that you're familiar with that has has you really excited about what they're doing right now. I think um, Team Rubicon uh, is is pretty amazing uh, in the work that they do. Um, there's a uh, it's a veteran-led disaster response organization. The idea is um, to take the skill sets that that veterans have um, that are useful for war zones and apply them to areas after natural disasters um, because a lot of those same skill sets apply. Um, and it's not just for veterans. It's also, um, you know, they're, they're civilian, uh, you know, many civilian members. Um, and it kind of functions as a sort of digital uh, fire station, I think is the way they usually describe it, where they can call up people um, uh, when there's a natural, uh, natural disaster who are kind of on a registry. Uh, there's uh, Nation Swell uh, is a organization that I'm a member of. It's, um, I mean, it's not specifically about veterans issues. So, uh, the founder is a veteran and, uh, it's, it's about kind of highlighting and bringing to the fore pragmatic solutions to, uh, American kind of, uh, it, you know, problems of American life and, and public policy. Uh, and I think they do really good work. And finally, I'm on the board of, Na- of, um, <clears throat> sorry. And finally, I'm on the board of arts and the armed forces, uh, which is, an organization that brings uh, high-quality contemporary theater to military audiences, uh, and they, you know, bring really amazing actors. Um, there's a, a event in New York City uh, after Veterans Day where John Leguizamo and Lawrence Fishburne are going to be performing for veterans and their families, um, and the idea is just that art is not just sort of this kind of luxury, but really good art is what uh, allows us to help make sense of our experience, that you can engage with the with characters who are going through, uh, you know, emotional and moral uh, crises or uh, whatever it is, 
and you can see yourself. You can see little pieces of things that, that, that connect to you or that connect to other people. Um, and it helps give you a language to articulate for yourself what you've experienced and what it is that you most want other people to understand about you. That's certainly the way I feel when I read literature. And the idea is, you know, bring the, these kind of performances to military audiences um, because they deserve really good art, and really good theater. And, uh, yeah, I'm very proud to be a part of that organization. Yeah, awesome. Phil Cly, thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I look forward to the new book that you got coming out. Hopefully we can maybe bring you back on when that's ready, ready to release. That sounds great. All right, Phil, thank you so much for your time, and I'll, uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you. I served in Vietnam. I served in Iraq. No matter where you served or when, VA has benefits for veterans of every generation. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. Again, go to blogs.va.gov. In the search bar, search storytellers and click on the blog that says VA and Got Your Six Announced Storytellers events across the nation. That is where you can get information regarding the Storytellers X events and uh, and where there may be one near you. If you're interested in hosting one or if you want to collaborate with someone, uh, someone I'm possibly uh, hosting one of these events, uh, simply leave a comment on that blog or uh, email newmedia at va.gov and we will forward your request on to the appropriate people to get that set up for you. Today's veteran of the day is Army veteran Charles Shea. Charles is a Native American from Maine. He was drafted into the Army at 19 years old. He fought in the D-Day invasion at Normandy. He was among the first American soldiers to jump in the water to invade Omaha Beach. During the invasion, he cared for wounded soldiers while under fire. And later, Charles and his unit were seized by German soldiers and taken as prisoners of war until American soldiers freed the camp that they were in. Charles received a Silver Star, a Bronze Star, uh, and of course the, the Prisoner of War uh, medal. And since his separation from the military, he has been an instrumental in honoring Indian soldiers, uh, especially in the main area. So we thank Charles for his service. Uh, and we want to recognize all Native Americans, especially Native American veterans and Native American Heritage Month uh, going on in the month of November. Uh, I believe on all the social medias you can you can uh, search hashtag Native American Heritage Month and you can see a lot of events that are going on, a lot of uh, recognition people are giving, uh, a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, to read Charles' full write-up, go to blogs.va.gov. That's also where you can fig- find out how to nominate uh, your own veteran of the day. That wraps up episode... What episode is this? Episode 58 cranking them away daily now and have a hard time keeping track of the number episode 58 with phil cly thank you thank you so much for taking the time to listen we'll write back at it tomorrow uh we'll have mika cross from the department of labor on talking about employment big topic in the veteran space something i know that we're uh all interested in uh stay tuned for that born the battle thank you so much for listening i'm timothy lawson signing off